we have people here who may not even watch a second of the live action and they're just bouncing around the ballpark going to the different club spaces or whatever and so we just try to cater our show to just not be intrusive but to give at least a little bit of everything to every fan who's here hello and welcome to the dactronics experience podcast we are on site today i'm justin oxner I'm Matt Anderson, and we are at Target Field today, and we're joined by Sam Henschen, the Director of Game Day Experience for the Minnesota Twins. Hi, Sam. How you doing? I'm doing really good. Good to see you guys. Thanks for making the drive out to Minnesota today. Yeah. Absolutely. It's about, what, three and a half hours-ish to get yeah, here from so South bad. Dakota? It's not too bad. Yeah. yeah, and thanks for having us. It's always great to be on site and to see an actual stadium in person and see all the technology and everything you've got going on, but... Before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts of everything happening here at Target Field, could you start by giving us a, a kind of a rundown of your position and how you got to where you're at today? Yeah, so I'm a director of game experience, like you guys said, and basically we, me and my team oversee everything that happens at Target Field that's not the baseball game. So it's all the audio you hear, all the videos we play, all the sponsorships we take care of, all the signage throughout the ballpark. Me and my team basically take all these elements from all the different departments that they need to get done and we try to package it into some type of a show that's both takes care of our sponsors entertaining for the fans pumps up the players and just have fans have a fun experience when they come to every twins game awesome and then how long have you been in your current position then so my current position i've been here since 2013 i've been with the twins since 2003 oh okay. and then i was actually i was a unpaid intern way back in 2000 so this is actually my 24th baseball season in some capacity involved with the Minnesota Twins. Awesome. Wow. And we, we always call it an origin story, but yep. I mean, even mm -hmm. thinking back to that internship, was baseball or just sports something you knew you always wanted to be a part of, or kind of how did you realize this is the career you wanted to no, be? No, that's in? great. No, growing up, I was a big fan of, I mean, I read the new sports section every day, front to back, and I kept track of stats every, every day when I was growing up. And when I got to college, I had joined the sports information department at my college, and so I was official stat guy, website update guy. So okay. basically at all the sporting events at a college. Then I got an internship in 2003 with the Minnesota Twins in this game production department. And then after the 2003 internship ended, there was no full-time position. So I was like, what am I going to do next? But by happenstance, Dactronics at the old Metrodome put in ribbon boards for the very first time there. <laughs> okay. And I was fortunate enough to like just sit in on a training my boss at the time said, hey, why don't you just give it a shot? And maybe that's something you could do. And I had no, no scoreboard experience. Yeah. But I sat there and I was lucky enough to get the job to kind of program and run the ribbon boards for the 2004 season. And then I've basically been involved with scoreboards ever since. So It's grown from ribbon, just ribbon boards, yeah. right, to a little bit more, <laughs> yes. as we'll find out even here today. But Yeah, yep. even back then, I'm just kind of curious, what were you putting on those ribbon displays when you started that? Yeah, so we just ate, the dome had four ribbon displays, and so it was like center field, home plate, left field, right field, and they were just 40-pixel high boards, and so it was a combination of just sponsorship, mm -hmm. crowd prompts, and we did put our out-of-town scoreboard because the Metrodome really didn't have a dedicated display for that, so it was very rudimentary and it was just kind of the dawn of animated files and 3d and it was just a lot of fun and it was just a small part of the show but it kind of added a lot yep. to the experience at the dome at that time okay and then you kind of progressed into the experience of outdoor baseball so you were there before and then after what was that change like and were you kind of part of deciding how to create that game day yeah. experience so it's uh so i was uh in my role at the metrodome i came full-time in 2010 when they opened this thing up just because there was obviously a lot more to do <laughs> sure but it gave us a chance from 09 to 2010 to kind of redefine what the game day experience was you know obviously there's a difference between indoor and outdoor 
There's brand new displays, bigger displays. So we got a chance to kind of meet with our sponsorship team and our marketing team and say, hey, here's how we'd like to activate all these boards. And we basically came to an agreement before we even walked in here about, okay, you know, this percentage is going to go to sponsorship. We're going to do this here, that there, just to give us all kind of a sense. Like we're just not going to you know, copy paste what we did at the Dome. Yep. Let's create something completely brand new. And so that's exactly what we did moving in here to Target Field was we wanted to create a show that we were happy with that took care of everybody. And then, as you guys know, every year it kind of progresses and improves as we go. Yep, and I'm thinking, too, even okay. when you came to this from what the Metrodome had at that current point, right, it's, like you said, it's a lot of coordinating with yourself, sponsorships, and marketing because you have a number of displays going on now. And then being able to coordinate all that together must have been quite the, the feat, I guess. But. Yeah, it, yeah. We, we used to get used to, the Metrodome was kind of like the video board mm-hmm. did their thing. The, we had a black and white scoreboard that did their thing. So the ribbon, okay. It was kind of like three separate entities kind of just working in tandem. So one piece coming here is let's bring all those groups yep. into one kind of cohesive unit where we're all kind of doing all things at the same time instead of one sponsor there on the video board, a different sponsor on the ribbons, the black and white doing its own thing. Mm-hmm. It gave us a chance like let's make this a holistic and a immersive experience. And then one other thing I will say is now that we moved outdoors – the scoreboards are just a part of the experience here. It's not like everyone's here 100% always focused on those. There's beautiful days. There's places yeah. to walk around. And so it just became a whole different experience of people just coming to the game. There's just so much more to look around and feel as you walk around here. Yep. And I yeah. remember, I think even it was that opening year, I can't remember the name of the, the award, but I remember this park won like an award for ballpark experience. Mm-hmm. I, I yep. can't remember if it was an ESPN or Sports Illustrated, but someone did it. Yep. And they said it was the largest jump because they went from where it was ranked <laughs> at the Metrodome <laughs> to Target yep. Field. And it was like this huge jump. And I remember coming in here, it was more than just twins and jumbo hot dogs. There was like a place to get walleye sandwiches and all that stuff. So I kind of, it, it must have worked, right? Yeah, so. well, and you know, people sometimes give the Dome a bad rap, but there was some, you know, it was a football, baseball stadium put inside of a football stadium. Yes. So yeah. we obviously had that disadvantage. But, that place would get really loud, and there yes. were some incredible moments, in at least the time I was there, where it was a major home field advantage. Even with the World Series years of 87 and 91, mm-hmm. you could say it was a home field advantage for sure, but even in those 2000s when we kept winning division championships, when you packed that place, it, it was a loud. tough play to play. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then you went to the, the outdoor experience, and you said it, it kind of made a big difference. The scoreboards are a part of it, and that's 13 years ago. Did you remember a lot of feedback from the fans or the community once it went outdoors? Oh, for sure. I mean, one thing we toyed with when we had opening day on April 12, 2010 was, do, should we make our video board the real size of what the Metrodome video board was when people walk in? So you had this little tiny, you know, <laughs> giant yeah. black hole with a little, we didn't decide doing it, but that would have been a thing. That's what it used to be, guys. <laughs> yeah. And then like when we do introductions, yeah. let's blow it up. But we decided let's give fans the wow factor right when they right. walk in. So we <laughs> yeah. stay at full screen. But it was just, yeah, people were used to a baseball game in Minnesota for all those years, and it was fun for them to experience a different type of baseball if you went to a different stadium that mm-hmm. was outdoor and brand sure. new. Gave them a chance just next to the city over, they could actually experience the same thing up here now. Absolutely. And I'm thinking even – I'm trying to remember, I think there was even displays added each year for a number of years. So it was one of those – you kind of chunked it up right away. And then if we kind of fast-forward to now here – um, in 2023 with all the new stuff, kind of how does that decision go when it's thinking of, all right, do we do individual displays or, I mean, in this case, there's pretty much an overhaul of almost mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. in transferring. Like, how does that conversation yep. go? No, I give our, our ownership and our president a lot of credit. Every year they look at the ballpark as a whole and decide what can we do to make it better. Mm-hmm. 
And that's, you know, it could be scoreboard related, it could be club spaces, it could be seating, could be a lot of different things. And so even after the first year, after great attendance, we realized we got a lot of feedback that fans sitting in left field couldn't see replays. Oh, oh yes, yeah. yes, because right? it was only the one Because we only had the board. one main that's video board. Right. So yep. right away we're like, all right, let's create a better experience for more fans. And so we added a video board in right field. And then, you know, the club spaces, we've got a left field bar, we have a right field bar. That was added in as we went along. Target, when they expanded the train further down, we created a station oh. behind the ballpark that has some Dectronics, you know, video equipment so they can have movie nights out there and things mm -hmm. like that. And so every year it feels like there's at least, even if nothing happens, there's conversations about what could we do to improve this space or enhance this space. Mm -hmm. And then, like you mentioned, in 2023 was basically the complete overhaul of <laughs> let's just take all our existing displays or most of our existing displays upgrade the technology, update the resolution, and just create a, a wow factor. Some of it we replaced like for like, some of it we made bigger and better, yep. but ultimately just to continue making Target Field a destination for entertainment. Yeah, so some of that wow factor you're talking about, we have some fun stats here about everything that's, <laughs> that's here in 23 now. So overall, you've got 13.1 million LEDs, more than 23,000 square feet of displays. That's a 113% increase from 13 years ago. And the main video board is more than 10,000 square feet now. It's the sixth largest in Major League Baseball, <laughs> HDR capable. Um, it, it's just such a big change. So from, you know, you talked about the Metrodome mm -hmm. years, you talked about the initial years of outdoor baseball at Target Field, now to this big change. Um, How's that been received so far in the, in the games you've had already? Oh, it's been received very well. So just like the wow factor from the dome to here, there was a similar wow factor when people walked in. Because after 13 years, you know, the LEDs aren't quite as bright as they used to be, right? And all of a sudden you're putting the same content, the same highlights up there, and it's just like, whoa, that is incredible looking. And plus the board being bigger, we were in a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. So it's like your standard TVs, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So now we're taking that and we basically, the width is 50% wider. And so it gives us a sense of like now the highlights are even bigger because of the size, but also gives us some opportunities to play with the board where if you have our standard 16 by 9 video, what can we do to kind of tell a different story using that extra real estate, sure. both from a video perspective and from the in-game perspective of redesigning all of our, because as you know, in baseball, everything stays static during play. Yep. How can we use all this extra real estate to tell a better story than we told before? Absolutely. And it's, it's kind of, I would say, keep raising the bar, but you had fans that went from a Metrodome type experience to when this opened, right? And so then when you're doing this revamp, it's, all right, now this is now the norm of what they expect. Mm -hmm. yeah. So going up that extra level. And I like how you're saying even the same content looked better because I know we've yep. heard from customers before of, yeah, we didn't do anything but just go higher resolution or same size with this, but then, okay, we got to make sure that people know the money that went into this is worth it to, to how much clearer and sharper it can be. So it's kind of that. And I've heard the analogy I think you were kind of saying too is we've got HDR and 4K yep. on here, and that's the stuff that people are starting to do at home on their TV. So I'd say it's an expectation, but you want them to make sure they have the same kind of experience when they come into the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, it goes down to people's at-home experience. Watching games is so much better than it used to be 20 years ago, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, what can you know encourage fans to actually come out and experience a game live? And part of that, again, is having kind of an entertainment show that's something you wouldn't get at home. Mm -hmm. And so that definitely comes into play with all these decisions is what's going to entice people to come here yep. you know, more than they do now. Yeah. I think it, it worked even I this is my first time being out here this year with the new display so <laughs> I definitely love seeing it fired on when we got uh, got here but 
it made me think it was my wife and I came to a game. I can't remember if it was like four years ago, but um, it was towards the end of the year. Um, and we came and it was against an opponent and we both weren't doing so well that year. But the, the, it was a beautiful day out and the stands were still packed. I think it's part of this like experience of the whole ballpark. It was everyone's here cheering. It was the end of the year. I think we weren't going to be in the playoffs. We're out of everything. But everyone was still packed here because it was a beautiful day. And it's like this is a great place to go to hang out. And I just always remember that we got tickets for it, came into town, had a blast walking around. And it was – I say it's a meaningless game. Sounds terrible to ever say. But it was <laughs> right. just like towards the end of the year. And, again, it was just – that I think that spoke volumes to me about stuff that we always say at Dactronics of getting people into the stands from the living room but actually seeing it firsthand mm-hmm. kind of was a cool thing for me to see. Yeah, and for me, for us, it's like the baseball fan has changed a lot in the last 30 years. You know, mm-hmm. maybe 30 years ago it was everyone came to a game because of the baseball game. Yep. Now people come for a myriad of different reasons, whether it's business relationships. It's just hanging out with your kids, and you just want to have your kids run around for three hours, yeah. right? You still have the hardcore baseball fans. You have mm-hmm. the ones who are just hanging out with college buddies because it's something to do, right? Mm-hmm. And we have people here who may not even watch a second of the live action, and they're just bouncing around the ballpark, going to the different club spaces or whatever. And so we just try to cater our show to just not be intrusive, but to give at least a little bit of everything to every fan who's here. That's yeah. awesome. The, the whole ballpark is really meant for an inter- entertainment experience now. Mm-hmm. Like you, you just mentioned all the different types of people coming here to be entertained, and it might not always be the baseball. But it, it's kind of interesting to hear that side of it. And you were kind of <laughs> touching on this a little bit before with moving around your 16 by 9 replays and playing with the board. When you got the, the new board, were you kind of excited to see what you could do with that real estate and where you could do with stats here or what could we move here and play with it a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so exciting's an interesting word. For us, it's <laughs> – so we basically had to you know, recreate our whole show. So we had mm-hmm. everything we had done mm-hmm. is gone. Resolutions weren't the same. Everything was different. Yeah. Plus, we also updated all our marks from last year too. So all the Twins' logos – all update, which was kind of a blessing in disguise because we're building stuff new. Let's build it you with might new as well stuff. Do it there, right? Yeah. Do it right there. And so, a lot of what we did in that offseason was just to try to get our show up to par with where we left it. Okay. okay. From 2022, so it's like we want to make sure we have the same stats, we have mm-hmm. the same functionality, we can do the same promotional features, just so that we can get to that base level that we had set last year, and with the hopes that before opening day we could add some cool little features uh, to the show. So whether it's Doing Since the board is bigger, like for home runs, we do a two-video replay now. So we'd have a camera follow the guy in the dugout doing all the high fives while at the same time we can show replays of his home run. Since the board is so big, you can show two really large images and at the them. same time. Yeah. <laughs> Where the year before, it was a full-screen video of the replay in a little small box because that's all we could kind of fit like to make yeah. it work. Picture in a picture Picture in a picture thing, okay. right? And so we had some of those ideas, probably say five to six of those kind of what can we do with the bigger display ideas that we sprinkled in at the start of the season. But now that we've got the show off and running, now it's like, okay, what else should we do? What else should we do? What else should we do with the hopes that we continue to build as we move forward? Absolutely. And, I mean, we're mentioning already the new real estate, everything going on, but all the LED got revamped, but there's also some new displays, right? So, like, what were some of the new ones we added in? I don't know. We got a list of right where we could start. I don't know if there's yeah. one that sticks out in your mind right away. No, the biggest one. ones for us is we added some additional kind of tall ribbon displays down the first baseline and the third baseline that yep. used to be static signage before. And one of the decisions was let's move the out-of-town scores. We used to have it on our right field wall in our right center field display. We gave that over to sponsorship and then said let's move the scores to our wings. So now okay. – not just a certain segment of fans can see the scores. Now everybody can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are really impactful. We also added what we call our concourse display, which is actually on the back side of our first base display. 
And that's a tall board that as you're walking the concourse kind of ingratiates fans into the game. Okay. So instead of just your standard concourse TVs, mm -hmm. this gives us a chance to, if we hit a home run and you're walking the concourse in that one section, you'll actually experience you know, the home run graphics or the twins win graphics just while you're walking around. So You'll know what happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so it gives you a chance to kind of bring the, again, game day experience out of the stands and into a place that sometimes is, you know, you're blocked or you're behind people to give that uh, aspect. So that was a really cool decision that the project team made, and we're really happy. And that's another board that, again, we just got it off and running, but there's so many more things we'd like to do with it yep. that as time allows, we'll do more. Yeah, yeah. and you mentioned kind of the, uh, we're still thinking names from dugout displays, yeah. first third line displays, but that's, seems to be a trend of what we're seeing in here. Did it, I'm kind of wondering, do you know, like, where did the idea come up? Because you said you used to have static signage there. Mm -hmm. Do you ever I don't know, just kind of look around the stadium or in the ownership group or just say anything static could be digital or kind of what give the idea of those yep. specific spots? Yeah, so I always look at it, even with the video board, it used to be a digital display with four ad panels yep. on the sides, right? Uh -huh. And all the time you think about, oh, if a t company wants to change their logo, it's a crane, it's printing, yeah. it's people to put it up there where it's, if it's digital, it's like, send me a JPEG and we'll get it updated, yeah. right? <laughs> and so that mindset matched, you know, what you know, the static science on the first and third base display that I just talked about, but also affects home plate where it's like, you know, the old style of, you know, having printed out, you had to two weeks, three weeks beforehand, figure out your artwork, get it approved, get it printed, get it shipped, mm -hmm. get it installed, get it. Now it's just send us a JPEG and we'll load it in. And it just <laughs> creates flexibility for sponsors to yeah. like, Mm -hmm. very easily, hey, we want to promote something on this one day, send it to me, we'll play it that night, and we'll go back to your normal signage, right? Yeah. Um, so that creates a lot of opportunity there. And then the dugout displays also, you know, as you guys are aware, every camera shot of the dugout, you usually see right, it's right behind the manager's head, right? Yeah. Or the yep. pitching coach's head. Yep. So it's a great opportunity for sponsorship. But also, like even this past week, we had some concerts here at Target Field on Friday and Saturday, and we turned one of our dugouts into a bar, Okay. And so just on those displays, we can put dugout bar so that all the people on the field can <laughs> yeah. look around and be like, oh, there's a bar over there. It's not just the dugout. Oh, that's cool. And it just is like you never think of that when you built those in. But it's like oh. what a perfect use of that display for people who probably maybe never even come to Target Field. Yep. It's like, oh, yeah. that's there's something over there. You don't have to walk up to the normal concession stands, right? And so that's what these <laughs> flexibility of these displays do is like you, you build them for baseball for baseball reasons, but all of a sudden they can turn into something that can help another event that's not baseball related, and you know, at the snap of the Did finger. you call the dugout bar? Is that what it was actually called to yeah, I think or? that's what they that's suggested awesome, yeah. to me. Yes. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Yeah. So you talked about those, those dugout displays different from the first baseline ribbon displays. And then you talked about um, even outside in that concourse. And there's another different uh, kind of unique display. You have the gate 34 display. Yeah. And that's kind of in a, uh, a park area next to the field. Can you talk a little bit about that area and yep. how that display works in? Nope, that's a great one. So at our main gate, which is gate 34, which is kind of the front door to our ballpark, we have a giant little green space where we have bean bags and you can take pictures among twins logos and such. But we realize that a lot of people hang out there, mm -hmm. but you're again, like I mentioned before, you're kind of separated from the game in years past. Like you might hear a cheer, but you have, mm -hmm. you can't see the video board from what that happened? angle. <laughs> you almost have to wait to see. And so, one part of these enhancements was like, well, how can we keep fans in that area ingratiated in the game? And so mm -hmm. we looked at the ramp B, which is just a giant brick facade. It's like between our tower and what the existing infrastructure, what if we put a big vertical rectangle there? And then that was, a, again, another fantastic idea. It's a great use of that space. And then we were able to put, you know, two different TV feeds. We were able to put 
baseball information on there all in a kind of a nice looking display so that oh, nice. if you're out there with your kids playing beanbags, you yeah. can still keep yeah. tabs on what's happening in the game. And it creates a really a, a place where you can go where you can still be connected to what's going on. I was like, I see the here the theme connected is always the, mm-hmm. like you said, if you're on the concourse, you get it. If you're playing beanbags, you're getting yeah. it and stuff too like that. So that's very interesting, interesting to be in. And um, oh, we'll find out. We're going to go to the game tomorrow. We'll find out. But there's a term I brought up, I think I brought up on our podcast last week, was the, the come early and stay late. Like mm-hmm. when you have things like that, it kind of encourages fans maybe to come in. I'm not sure how early you open them up before you know, the game starts or uh-huh. how late you stay open afterwards. But is that kind of a thought too? Of like we want people to hang out here, not just only for the game and then that's it? Yeah, so it's, it's, it, every day is a little bit different. Sometimes you know, we have sometimes two-hour gates two hours before, and some days during the week we have one-hour gates. Okay. And so we, we're, it's always a, a revolving door as to how we want to activate that. Sometimes we've had happy hours where at, right at gates open to kind of entice fans, obviously giveaways entice yeah. fans to get here early. But it's just a matter of, you know, we want to – try to create environments that people want to in, in partake in. But at the same time, we're not just going to open things to open things either. We want to make sure yeah. that there's a reason for people to come early. And so we have to play that balancing act all the time. But yeah, we, we want this target field experience. We want, you know, but the game's being shorter now. They're more two and a half hour games than three hour games. You know, it creates a, a lot more action in a shorter amount of time, which gives us that chance of, well, now maybe people, instead of expecting to stay here three hours and it's a three hour baseball game, they're actually spending, trying to spend three hours here, but it's only a two-and-a-half-hour baseball game. So would they come early knowing the game's going to yeah. be short? Would they stay sure. later, maybe have an extra beer or two at a bar? Those are all conversations that we have. That's what I've been kind of wondering. I haven't been to an MLB game this year yet. Right. I hear about the shorter times, and it made me curious of all the points you're hitting on. What are people doing? How is it affecting? Because this isn't the Dactronics curse we've talked about, but it's just being <laughs> in the sports business, you wonder, mm-hmm. does that mean people wander around the concourses less? Or are they doing it more? Like and Those kind of things. Sure. Yeah, and there's there's all these different areas you're talking about to kind of influence the game and and entertain people. So the gate 34 area, the concession display. Is there um, other out of bowl applications that we we haven't covered yet, or is there other spaces that have displays to kind of keep them yeah. informed as well? And the biggest one is we we updated a new bar in our right field corner. Called, we call it the Truly Bar and Grill right now, mm-hmm. or Truly on Deck is what it's called. And again, it's a uh, we have two Dectronics displays in there, one giant bar display that, again, you can sit up bar. We've got four TV feeds, and we've got odd-town scores and upcoming promotions all kind of arranged in a unique way there to have fans just kind of sit around and still be engaged with what's going on, even in the sports world. Like the USA Women's World Cup game is tomorrow night, the same day oh, we have yeah. a home game. And it's like, well, we're going to put that on places because okay. there will probably be a lot of nice. fans interested in that. Because, again, people may come here, but they might be interested in another event at yeah. the same time. So let's yeah. give them what they're looking for, get them off their phone, the game's there, and you can still engage with yes. you know, the Twins games too. So <laughs> sure. it's definitely kind of, you know, fans have multiple interests. We're just trying to tap in as many of them as you can. Yep. Yeah, yep, yep. that's awesome. It's always the one less reason to check a phone is another <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, phrase I've heard many sure. times before recently too. So um, ta- when talking about how all this kind of got upgraded, like we talked about the revamp of the existing, all the additional things going on, I mean, for it all to go in at one time is a lot of work, obviously. So... I don't know if you can speak a little bit to how was that time frame kind of when you guys first pulled the trigger to say we're going to do this, and then how did the project management kind of installation go with everything? Yeah, so that's quite the process, too. So we probably started having conversations maybe 2018-ish. It's like, what should we do for, we call it scoreboard 2.0. is kind of what yep, we call that project, yep. right? So um, going into the 2020 season, we were planning on that off season 
after the 2020 season to start. We broke it into, we decided to break it into phases. Okay. One being just the control room video gear side, and then the second phase being the actual physical display side. Okay. And we just felt, um, and the main reason we felt that is the year we were going to do it, we had the Winter Classic that same year. And so the Winter Classic obviously is New Year's Day. Mm -hmm. And so to try to do both phases of a project with a Winter Classic going on was probably something that was not going to be possible. So that also <laughs> played into the uh, situation as well. But you know, we only had a three-month window to get our control room in, mm -hmm. which was really, really tight. And then once that got done, then we had the display project this past offseason, which we thankfully had the full offseason to yeah. be able to do that. And yeah. so it, just, it gave us a little bit of chance to kind of make some decisions first on the video room and then lean into what's the choices for the display side of the room at, and not have to make all the decisions at once. And frankly, we let technology kind of improve too and maybe it helped us with some final decisions as well. Yeah. yeah. And uh, how did everything kind of go on site while getting those installed? Were there other pieces kind of being updated around the stadium at the same time? And was the coordination kind of something tricky that you had to work through? Yeah. I mean, every project, you guys know this, is there's always unforeseen. When you live in Minnesota in December and January, <laughs> yeah. you know, it can get pretty brutal around here. So every time we saw the crews up there putting things together, it's like it, it was cold where I was standing. I can't imagine what it was like up there. <laughs> right. You know, so there was, you know, whether it was ice or freezing temperatures or, you know, we're still in the, we were still in the brink of the shipping delays and, oh, you know, all yeah. the part, uh, the pieces that needed to be put into for all these things. So it was a navigation of a lot of different uh, aspects, but our project team kind of, we had weekly meetings just to keep us all under, we had a great relationship with the Dectronics crew because, you know, they popped in usually every day and just gave us quick updates because we had people banging on our door like, hey, when can we see stuff? Mm -hmm. When can we see stuff? Yeah. And, you know, they were just constant communication like, hey, the left field ribbon board might be on today because not only were we trying to get stuff up for the executives to see, we're also getting stuff for us, like all the stuff we're building on our computers we want to see what it actually looks like. Did it work? Yeah. 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 Real world <laughs> testing. You know, right? like are, are the font sizes big enough? You know, yeah. all those things yeah. that you can always work on in theory, but until you see it, you don't know. But, you know, it was one of those. It was definitely right up to the end as all these projects are. But, you know, <laughs> that's how it kind of went. Yeah, it's kind of it's always interesting because we I mean, obviously we're on the LED side. So it's mm -hmm. always that. But we know there's other improvements always going right. on around there and making sure that everyone is playing nicely. But mm -hmm. communication is obviously a key part of it. And. I mean, the control room, I mean, it's the same way with the display. You have our LED things, and you have the structure itself. You have power signal. There's a lot of other companies that kind of help, mm -hmm. subcontractors that help. But in a control room, too, right, if you got a whole bunch of new stuff, you probably got a whole bunch of different things in there, different monitors, um, switchers. I'm thinking it's yep. a replay. Yeah. So, like, how is – I mean, I'm not, sometimes I'm pretty bad since we started working from home for Dactronics of <laughs> my desk at home having two monitors and making sure it looks yep. clean and kept up. Like, when you're getting all new – control equipment what's that like is it are you like a cable management guy so it's kind of oh. like an oddly satisfying thing or is it <laughs> no so i mean when we worked with our integrators and everything no they take the control in terms of how everything looks and for us it's just we're just the middlemen okay because basically how i look at it is we here's the gear we want put it in and we're gonna let you know if it works the way we want it to sure and it's you know oh this doesn't can you move this monitor here can you make this display work here and so there's a lot of i guess you call them change orders but not like just yeah. minor things yeah but we're also the middlemen where it's if it's an integrator and then we have a problem. Is it the integrator's issue? Is it oh, the vendor's oh, yeah. issue? And so a lot of times they'll say, oh, that's an equipment issue. The equipment guys might say, oh, that's an installation issue. So, But we're the ones who use it. And so with all <laughs> these different facets, we have to be the ones that say, all right, here's the problem. Let's figure out the solution. 
and go from there. I got you. Yeah. And then you started producing actual game days after everything's in and it kind of, can you tell me what, what's it like on game day being in there and and being in control of everything? Is it organized chaos or is it a a little bit better than that? Like that first game you thinking or you just, yeah, just, just in general with all the new equipment and then, and then a general game day for you. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a difference between like game one and like where you would say our last game was, right? Sure. So it's definitely a, you're kind of like you're, taking letting the ship go out to sea on game one and you're like okay i think we have all our preparations we've tested everything and let's see how it goes and and the goal is just to keep the boat afloat or the plane in the air right yeah because i think you know there might there's always going to be minor things like oh that stat maybe was wrong or that Mm -hmm. headshot was wasn't correct but we try to keep the main part of the show moving forward so um and it's one of those things that in any live production there's always going to be something that probably is not perfect or something that you'd want to improve upon yep and so at the point where it's like, by the time you get to game 53, it's like, all right, all those things are way in the past. Now mm-hmm. we're looking at improving things. And mm-hmm. and what's, it's, for my perspective, it's, if you have an outside person walking in, if you'd sit on the headset, you might think that this is super chaotic. But <laughs> yeah. people in the business are like, yeah, this is just how it goes. There's a lot of talking, <laughs> yeah. a lot of communication, a lot of, you know, debates on what we should do next or what we should do. Or if there's a problem, a lot of discussions about, hey, how do we fix this? Or what's our workaround if... This piece of gear went down. Can we still play this video from this other piece of gear? If a mic goes down, can we quick run a mic this other way? Like there's a lot of stuff that happens that mm-hmm. the fans will never know because we have a talented team in our in the back who yeah. are just running the equipment and figuring out if something goes down, how do we fix it, right? Sure. Yeah. And that's just, again, to keep the plane in the air or the boat afloat. So yep, I've definitely heard those analogies of the, uh, yeah, keep the boat afloat, don't crash the car, yeah. <laughs> all these kind of things. Because there's the thought of, like you said, you start out, make sure everything goes smoothly. And then maybe in the off season, you get really crazy and fancy. Because mm-hmm. we've always said when a customer gets a display a year later, it's usually completely different. But I think you're also making... I mean, you mentioned game 53, you might be changing. You're, you're not necessarily waiting until the offseason, are you? Because I think you mentioned that, was it the split-screen home run thing you started after the season started? I mean, you've introduced some new yeah. things since that game yeah. one, right? Yeah, so there's, I'd say there's different levels of, you know, improvements, right? There's mm-hmm. things that you could say that are just kind of one-off ideas that you want to mm-hmm. add to the show, like the home run example. But yeah. things like if we want to – we've already had discussions, like, hey, how do we redesign our in-game display? Like okay. where stuff is – some of those bigger – aspirational things that's something you don't just do let's do it on a monday and see yeah, if it works on a Wednesday. couple days off or something no yeah. there's definitely time horizons <laughs> to some projects that you want to <laughs> take your time and you know obviously you know teams have different style guides every year yep. so all those different things kind of come into play but for the most part we just every day it's like in this business never the job's never done there's mm-hmm. always something better you can do there's always something you can improve there's always something you can tweak and that's basically what me and my team do every day is think how can we make the show better mm-hmm. And what can we change to make things move forward? And then, and with technology, there's always new stuff coming down the pipeline that either we discover, we see other teams do, and it's like, ooh, let's try that. And then we add that to the list. That's what I was going to ask, because you said you see other teams. And I'm always curious how, where you get the ideas. We say, like, you know, people in sports watch other games. Do you or your crew, do you ever go to away baseball games as well to help kind of... As you go with a notepad and just start jotting down yep. what they're doing, but come up with ideas that way. No, working this business, going to sporting events, even not even baseball games, is basically ruined for me because all I do is watch what the scoreboard shows. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the sports <laughs> business curse, that's right? That's what right? we say too. We go, <laughs> like, oh, is that a six million? Our friends tell us to shut up. You know, yeah, like exactly. just watch the game. Yep. Yeah. So you know, and it's it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because yeah. at the same time, you're just trying to have a beer and enjoy a hockey game. Yeah. At the same time, you're like, ooh, what's the, 
what activation are they doing <laughs> yeah. or how are they doing that or we should do that or steal that video idea or steal that song idea. You know, so it's you're definitely always and when you're watching games at home, watching the Twins game at the Mariners yesterday, you know, sometimes in the background it's like, ooh, what are they doing when this mound visit's happening? You know, yeah, or what's sure. their make noise graphic look like? Right. <laughs> it's just it's just built into the the business that we live in, but just fun because there's a lot of talented people throughout the country that do this for a living. Mm-hmm. And it'd be behooving on us if we didn't take, you know, advice or take feedback from what other teams are doing because we want to give as good a show as we can, and there's other people that are doing great things. Let's uh, borrow it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, might as well. And <laughs> and you said you do host other things other than just the baseball games. You said you had a concert. How involved do you get on the production of that? Does it depend on what concert it is and what displays they want to use, or do they bring different things of their own? Yep, it's uh, the whole range. You know, okay. like when Pink is coming to concert here in a couple of weeks, I'm guessing they're just going to handle everything themselves. We keep our boards off. They put on their show. Everyone okay. has a great time. Sure. But we had a post-game concert. T-Pain was here, okay. and his show is very graphically and visually involved. And so they tr- uh, shared with us all the files for all the different songs he oh, played. Wow. Oh. And so on the boards, we're playing, if there's a certain song he's playing, we're playing associated oh, graphics okay. with every single song because his his is more of a just stand there and sing, and it's more the visual look. Mm-hmm. And so we used all our displays for every one of his songs. We had operators, you know, every song you went to on his playlist, we played out. Cool. To kind of create that, again, immersive experience. But every artist is different in terms of what they ask for, what they allow us to do. And okay. so we just kind of, we plan for everything, and then we just execute what they actually want us to do. Absolutely. Sure. And I'm thinking, I mean, I feel like we can say this because we're headquartered in Brookings, South Dakota. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, South Dakota State University football is coming here yes. this fall to play a football game against. Do you remember offhand? Yeah, it's oh, against Drake. 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 That's right. Yep. It was Drake. Yep. yep. Um, and so I, I mean, I didn't know. I think it's like the second or third football game you've ever held here. But I'm mm-hmm. this concert conversation kind of yeah. made me wonder about that too. How does how does that go? I mean, both schools probably just sending you all their files of because you don't have those. Yeah, waiting so, because you have, I mean, a lot of Major League Baseball yep. stuff you have ready to go. But how does that process go? Yep. Happen? So it kind of depends on who the whole school is. So, you know, we've had South Dakota State's coming. We've had North Dakota State. We've had a St. John's, St. Thomas football game. Okay. We've had soccer games here. But essentially, we create this is for South Dakota State's game. This is their home game. So, you yeah. know, they're bringing their people, their announcer, you know, their production, their people. And okay. we are basically, what do you guys want to do? You know, hey, send us your touchdown graphics, send us your open video, and we just facilitate for them. If they want advice or want us to help, we're definitely there to raise our hand, but we kind of treat it as like their event. Tough the part for us is, when we've done this a couple times, is how do we turn all our displays into a football look? Yeah. You know, so again, just yesterday we uh, tested one of our football scoring consoles because if we did it from the control room, which is in the end zone, is a terrible spot to like, do a clock or first down and distance yeah. in the yeah. end zone, when right? When you're seeing straight on. Yes, when you're seeing straight, you have, you'd have no chance, right? <laughs> yeah. And so we set up a console, an all-sport on the 50-yard the line in a suite, and then we run everything from there. So you actually have a normal football perspective for you know those type of things. But again, okay. that's, that's a different DSTi file. That's yeah. running different cables. That's ensuring that <laughs> our scoreboard system can ingest that information. And so it's just, it's kind of a flip of the switch. And then once we tested it and everything works, then we go back to baseball and off we go. So, but again, <laughs> the flexibility of these systems is what makes it awesome. So it's not like we're only can do baseball and we have to like jerry rig something yes. together yeah. that we have the ability to like, all right, we just, just data and graphics, just put in a different just spot. Adjust them and just adjust. So. Yeah, that's part of that curse too, because I yeah. a lot of friends excited to come out here for that. 
that's immediately where my mind goes to is <laughs> the, okay, so how are they going to handle the boards out there? They get, they're going to need different file <laughs> yeah. types. They're going to need mm-hmm. an all support for that. And it's kind of, yep. yeah. So obviously there's some good versatility with the digital mm-hmm. displays and everything you have here. Kind of what's your favorite aspect of everything that you got that's new this year? I mean, you've, you've had some experience from the Metrodome to 2010 to now. So kind of what's your favorite thing that you've got at your disposal for these multiple events? Yeah, so the biggest thing for us, at least from a Twins game, is just, again, the integration of everything. So again, game opens, hype videos, like our, we have a closer scenario where we turn the lights off and we play different files, like... Those things that create those immersive moments, mm-hmm. which is just, it's one button push and everything happens all at once is what kind of makes this system look like it's all in tandem. It's not a three, two, one go and you have four different people hitting oh, a button yeah, at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Like launch codes. Yep. Yeah. You turn, the key. <laughs> turn the key at the right time. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so that's what I think with the newer technology, this is all something that in 2010 was like a pipe dream. And now it's like just integrated into systems now because everyone wants that, you know, those immersive experiences. So that's probably the most fun piece. And we're, and our team hasn't even scratched the surface of all the things we want to do mm-hmm. in that space that, you know, that's something we're definitely looking forward to including more and more. Yeah. And there's something we like to ask all the guests that come on the podcast too of, you know, given everything you've gone through and this can, you can take this question in two different ways of everything from Metrodome to now, or just even this latest revamp. But sure. Is there any advice you would give someone else in like your position going through a similar situation? Yeah. So the biggest advice is again, communication is always key. I think if from a, from my chair as a game day experience person, you want to define what you want your show to be, and so that means from a real estate perspective, you're not going to take a hundred percent of your displays and give them all to yourself because mm-hmm. you know there's going to be entities like sponsorship and other things that want a piece of the pie. I mean, we have to pay for these things, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you have to have these open conversations right at the bat. It's like, all right, here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to give this a sponsorship. This is going to be baseball information. This is going to be that. So that when the time comes to when you're actually building the stuff, you're not having those conversations while you're trying to build out the show at the same time. You get organized early on. Yeah. Yeah. Like in our our example for the video board, we had four static ad sponsors that are up there 100% of the time with video in the middle. Well, we're not just going to say the whole board is all twins baseball information and sponsorship tough luck. Sorry. Right. We had to come up with a plan of, okay, where does sponsorship go? How big of a space does it get? How easy is it to change? How many different options? What the background behind it? So it meshes in with the whole overall look, all those conversations you have to have ahead of time so that when it comes to production time, everyone's on the same page. You know what we're doing yep. and you don't hit that roadblock in February where it's like, oh no, we need the logos twice as big or whatever mm-hmm. this comment would be. And all of a sudden all the work you put into your look Oh, it has to be revamped. <laughs> Even though you have the short time frame to get everything done, all of a sudden you have a two-week change like that. Yeah, that yeah. can really affect your show. So it's yeah. really now you're get, staying late and <laughs> oh, and that's if you're lucky to get it done. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. your your options are either say sorry we can't do that, let's wait till next year, which makes the other group unhappy. Right. Or it's what you're saying, you're just killing yourself trying to get all yes. those changes made. So communication is key. That everyone's on the same page. Okay. All the arguments and all the back and forth, the compromises happen as early as they can okay. so that when your team gets ready to start cranking out the content, you have a plan in place that's not gonna change. Yeah, and you said you started even having initial <laughs> conversations about the revamp in 2018, was it? I mean, that's five years ahead of time, yep. so you had plenty <laughs> yep. of time to talk through almost all those different yep. scenarios you needed to. Correct, and it's just, and sometimes even the first initial meetings are just like, let's just get people in the same room and just talk about it, and there are more just like, yeah, we're going to come up with a design. Okay. There's nothing built, mm-hmm. but it's just like concepts. And then, mm-hmm. But eventually you get to the point where 
And sometimes you have to be proactive on these things, especially from IC. It's like, this is what we're going to do. This is why we're doing it. And this is why we think it works the best. And as long as you come with like either best practices or yeah. use cases, then you might have a better chance in just saying, this is what we're going to do because we like it. And then it's like, well, what's in it for me? It's like, you have yep. to come back with you know, a plan in place so mm-hmm. that you, everyone can buy into it and trust you that your plan is going to move. And then, like we said, every off season, every person show changes in some respect. Yep. And so that's where you can make any tweaks to the plan. I yeah. just imagine a large room with a huge whiteboard in there and everyone's just kind of drawing and pointing at it for yeah. a while. Matt's yeah. a whiteboard guy. So. I, love, I, need, I always need that. I'm a visual person. I need yep. to draw so you can point at it. But. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm going to have one more question here for you. It's kind of more of a fun one. I heard you talking about all these different events that you can host mm-hmm. and the flexibility of the displays to, to make those work. Maybe even in your entire career with the Twins, what's one of your most favorite events you've been able to be a part of? It could be a game too, right? Yes, or any, anything that yeah. you've been at. I'll have to give this some thought. I know from the baseball <laughs> side, obviously baseball has its moments, whether it's close to no hitters, you know, where you have the ninth yeah, inning yeah. and a guy's got no hitter going, or you have obviously all the walk-offs or big comebacks. Yeah. Um, you know, as I keep going, Joe Maurer, when he played his final game here, okay, um, they got him to catch the last game, and it just worked out. So that was a cool anticipatory moment. Mm-hmm. Austin Romine for the Tigers once played all nine positions against us here. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> so he pitched and caught and played every position, all nine innings, oh, one wow. position each inning. And Holy cow. Even though it was a visiting player, it was still kind of a fun – we followed him along and, like, you know, gave crowd updates so that by the time – he played his ninth position. The crowd gave him a standing ovation, and he was super emotional and super. Oh wow, you that's know, cool! So that, know that that type of stuff is really cool. Um, you now we've had snow artists. We've had it where we've had the whole field covered in snow. We had a guy walk around and do like snow art, you know, as part of the Super Bowl weekend. Yeah. Oh. Um, like we said, football games were fun. Soccer was fun. I mean, ability like that. You know, even something as simple as the high school baseball tournament, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. giving these high school kids a chance to have headshots on the board, oh, their name that, on the lineup. Though, yeah. That's the stuff that's like, even if you lose that game, it's like, you know, at your graduation party later that summer, you've got a picture of your headshot on the scoreboard yeah, as one like of the it. photos. It's like, uh, those so are the cool. things that can, can mean a lot of things. And then there's just the, the sentimental stuff. We have 100-year-old people doing Raising the Flag. We've got mm-hmm. maybe kids with terminal cancer being recognized on the video board and the whole crowd cheering for them. Yeah. We you know do dedications to our military, whether there's people f- jumping out of airplanes, landing on the field. So <laughs> it's just there's a lot of just small things that yeah. kind of jump out that, that's what makes baseball. We have 80, no, 162 games, 81 of them here at home. And yep. that's mm-hmm. 81 different types of stories you can tell. So whether it's a country music night or a military night or a mm-hmm. prince night or a, um, whatever the nights are, we can try to have a different type of fun game each and every day. So Yeah, so cool. Yeah, he, so did, cool. he did not pick one answer, and I'm glad he didn't because no, all those are pretty no, cool. No, that was kind of <laughs> off the cuff, but I'm glad, <laughs> you got, I'm glad we heard your response there. This is so cool to hear everything you've been a, a, able to experience and been a part of mm-hmm. here. So, um, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us here today. Yeah. Thanks for, for hosting us so we could see this uh, amazing stadium in person and, and sharing all the details of everything that's going on here. Yep, we like to have fun around here, and I appreciate you guys coming out. Awesome. Thanks, Sam.